welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 200. And 90, Cameron's second Tennessee turkey. And I am your co host and the guy who is excitedly packing his bags. And I am your co host and the guy who's sulking in misery. Why are you sulking? Because I don't know. I have a hotel reserved in Minnesota, but the weather looks absolutely horrible for those three days. So I just, I don't know that I can justify driving up there to hunting thunderstorms constantly. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. I'm going to give it, I have till tomorrow to cancel free cancellation on the hotel. So, tomorrow's it. You know, if I do go, my wife's going to go with me. I think it's going to be a fun trip, but it's just not looking likely. And it's kind of depressing because if I don't go, that means it's probably over for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but I can't get too down. I had a great year and I'll get to live vicariously through you as y'all go put it on them. Yeah. And hopefully it doesn't rain too much because if it rains while I'm there, then and while I'm hunting, then there will be no recordings. Mm, that's a good point. Well, I think you're going to have some rain maybe for the weekend, but it looks kind of spotty. So you should have some times where it's not. Here's the thing. With the forecast that I've been looking at, it looks like for the three days that I'm planning on being Wisconsin, it's going to rain all three days there. Then when I leave there and go to Minnesota, it looks like it's going to rain all three days there. And then when I leave and go to Michigan, it looks like it's going to rain all three days there as well. So <laughs> I may be completely waterlogged by the time I come back. You should be an expert rain turkey hunter by that point. <laughs> I should be. Luckily, those states, you know, you're not having to go hunt a national forest that doesn't have any fields. A lot of the public opportunities and private opportunities in those areas are going to have fields. So, yeah, you know, you should be able to still have some success in the rain. It's just probably not going to be as fun. Oh, it'll be fun. (laughs) It will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time. Can't wait to see some pictures. Yeah, yeah. So today we are 303 days, 12 hours, 41 minutes, and 28 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And we are, I don't know how many days from Tennessee opening day because I'm, I'm hoping they change the season personally. I am. So, and our season dates are kind of different. It's usually the Saturday closest to April one, I believe is how they do it, Hmm. but I'm hoping they're going to push it back a week. That's just a personal thing that I'm hoping for. So we'll we'll see what, how it goes. Once they release dates, I'll start my countdown. But I know we're a good long ways from it. I don't want to disclose it because it might make me choke up a little bit here on the show. Yeah, yeah. It's a long way off. So is that on the agenda for the powers that be at the DNR to move the season back? They haven't really said it. and But I listened to the commission meeting they did seem to have some concern with the current regulation, so I wouldn't doubt if something changes. But who knows? They might not change a thing. But they did seem they were entertaining the idea of trying to save more turkeys after a 40,000-kill year in Tennessee, which is ridiculous. And, you know, a lot of those 
were jakes and bearded hens. So it might be more of a reduction in bag limit. It might be a reduction in jake harvest, or they might move the season. I don't know. But the season hasn't been released yet. I know that much. Yeah. So Very I'm cool. not going to do a countdown because I'm holding my breath. And I've been emailing the commission, if any of those people listen to this, this podcast. You've been getting emails from me quite often. Y'all need to talk to Mike Chamberlain. I've sent him everything I can from the guy. And I've told him he needs to literally speak to the commission. So hold my breath on that. That's going to happen as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So hopefully something will pan out with that for you guys in Tennessee. And speaking of Tennessee, we've got your second wild turkey harvest in Tennessee coming up today. Yes, we do. And it was a fun one. And he was very wild. There was no tameness about him. So before we get into that, do you want to take care of our little bit of housekeeping we have? Yes. So as promised, we're nearing the end of the owl hooting contest. We're taking no further submissions. And we have our two finalists. And at this point... Yes. So at this point, all that we lack is getting Preston on the phone and letting him cast his vote on the two finalists. And then the two of us will cast our votes. And unless I can't do math correctly with three of us voting, somebody's got to win. So our two finalists are... Do you want to release that today or you want to make them wait? That is the million-dollar question, Cameron. We can make them wait. We'll make them wait. We have two finals. Oh, you're killing them. Man, you're you're tough. I'm a tough guy. What can I say? I hold the power right now, and I'm not releasing the info. So instead, while you're all sweating, wondering if you're one of the two, we're going to tell you about a turkey getting whacked in Tennessee. I think that's right. a good way to hold them over. What do you think? I think so. Well, let's get into it. I want to tell you my story because you haven't heard the audio yet and you have heard a very brief story on it, but you haven't heard all the details. Yeah, I want to hear it all. Absolutely. Kind of describe this piece of property, hard, mostly hardwoods, hardwood pine mix, fields. What's what's the deal? Yeah, so there's a hardwoods, pretty much it's a ridge that runs north-south and there's some creek fingers that feed up to it. And in the middle is probably a three to four year old cutover kind of area, you know, super thick. It's probably a couple acres in size, pretty big little block and surrounded by hardwoods. And then there's a pine thicket back in there. And to the east side is a cattle farm that I do not have permission to hunt. And I know it actually does get hunted by others. So. Luckily, they weren't there on the same day I was because the turkeys may have made their way out there. But I went in and set up. So pre-season, I had scouted this area again. This is I killed my first turkey of the season last year in the same block of woods. It just is a typical honey hole for me. And I kind of follow a uh, personal rule of if I kill a bird in, in a block of woods, public, private, doesn't matter. If I kill a bird on a certain piece of property, I'm done there. I'm not hunting that piece of property again for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. And that's just what I've always kind of done. And I think it's paid off because every year I can go back to those same areas and there's typically a turkey in there. And, you know, there have been times where I'm like, heck, I could kill all four of my birds right here, you know, (laughs) but rather not because there's probably somebody else, you know. I have brothers that also hunt the private lands we hunt. Lord knows plenty of other people are hunting the public lands. So I want to just harvest my one bird and then move 10, 20, 30, 40 miles from that spot and kill another one. And that strategy's worked out good for me, and I feel like I'm not negatively impacting a turkey population myself at that point. So I killed my first bird here last year. There was multiple other gobblers in there. So I went back to listen in there before season and heard two turkeys gobbling together and had a bunch of hens with them and so killed my first bird opening day didn't have any luck on sunday and then on monday i went to this place so this is the third day of the season and this decided i'm gonna slip in there and set up right by where they roosted the time i came in here to scout so i sat down it's a good ridge top 
good spot to listen anyway. And I thought, you know, who knows? It, it's obviously a roosting area. Who knows if they'll be using it today or not? But mm-hmm. it's my best odds, in my opinion, at this point, And I should be able to hear them from this spot. So I sat down and was there very early and started getting light. And boom, they gobble right there. So we're going to play that clip of the very early morning session, and then we'll move forward with the story. Awesome. I look forward to hearing that. So here is day three of Tennessee's turkey season. All right. Listen in closely, guys. We'll see you here in a minute. All right, so that was some early, early morning gobbles. And so what you heard, I mean, the Tweety birds aren't even awake at this point. It was early. And then you hear after he gobbles the first time, I move immediately to reposition to a better spot. So I moved closer. As I've talked about before, this was a before work hunt, so I'm very aggressive before work. Yeah. And I moved up really tight on this bird i mean he, he was probably 120 130 yards but that's tight day three of the season how, you know there's no leaves how light is it at this point oh it is dark okay i mean like we're talking you know the cardinals none of the other birds are awake yeah i think you can hear one tweety bird who's awake and you hear him pretty good and then you hear me move up 
you hear the leaves crunching, move up. And as soon as I sit down, an owl, like, I don't know if that owl saw me or heard me or what, but something provoked him to hoot really perfectly. And then they cut him off again. So they gobble. And we're going to go through kind of a long pause, which I won't make y'all sit with, but there's a long pause. They gobbled like two to three times really early. And then it's like they went back to sleep for a little 15 minute power nap. Hmm. And then the wood started waking up again. So everything comes to life. A third turkey that you cannot hear in the audio starts gobbling way, way, way off. And they start kind of shouting back and forth with him. So in this portion, I actually throw some tree calls out there at him. And it wasn't long after the tree calls, you'll hear somebody's coming down. So we'll jump in. This is kind of on the roost talk. And then we'll cut in here and I'll kind of explain what the situation looks like after the birds fly down. All right, cool.
right. All right. Hang so on. they're down. I got a question to ask you. Okay. Did you hear the hens calling before you tree called? No. The hens, to this point, I have no knowledge that they're there. They were there two weeks earlier, but on this particular morning, I have no knowledge that there's a hen around. They never made a sound. Okay. And when the birds pitched down, they pitched straight towards me. And I mean, I look like, you know, Bill grin starts coming over my face. You know, the two gobblers just flew down towards me and they're coming. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, textbook, here we go. Easy morning. I'm planning breakfast out. I'm like, man, I'm going to have four eggs here in about a half hour. I'll be able to get me a nap in before work. I mean, this is great. Mm -hmm. So this is where they fly down as you heard in the last clip, and we're about to go through some calling sequences. I was real conservative on the front end, purrs, clucks, some whines, and they gobbled a few times, and then the mistress had to join in. Mm -hmm. And more turkeys start flying down, and so hens start pitching down all over the freaking place. Those floozies. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, they're not good old you know old-fashioned women like i am but they start flying down and one of them in particular was really talking some nasty stuff to these gobblers and so i you know i succumbed to her level and started shouting back with her and the hens started leaving so at this point the gobblers were 70 yards from me well one of the gobblers just immediately goes with them and they start heading out the, the field, the, the cattle farm. Mm -hmm. And the other gobbler, he was really interested in me. He walked up to 65, 70 yards, strutting. And you'll hear in the audio, one bird obviously is getting further, and the other one, when he gobbles with him, is like right on top of me. Yeah. So he sticks around, and then it's like finally he's looking, he's looking. You know, I don't have any decoys, anything like that. So he's looking. Finally, he's like, yeah, I'm going with them. Mm -hmm. So we'll play that part. So this is after the birds have flown down is where we're picking up right here. So they just flew down. All right. Listening closely, guys. We'll see you here in a minute.
got a pole, you know. Alright, so the birds are easing off, so they have left. So I got up, as you heard, I reposition. We're going to play a clip right here. It's a quick little clip that I'm going to play from my second setup. I called up a hen at this setup. I can see the gobblers in the field that I cannot hunt, and they're strutting with a bunch of hens. I called up a hen. We had some conversation. The turkeys are gobbling in the background faintly, and then they start returning to their original position. So here's that part.
Okay. Setup two didn't work. Again, turkeys came within ADR. Hang on. So how far was setup two from setup one? Uh, half mile. Because wow. I had to make a gigantic U shape around the field that I cannot hunt to get on the other side. Okay. As a crow flies, a thousand yards. Gotcha. Eight hundred yards, and the turkeys are over there with me. So hen comes up to eighty yards, looks, 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 walks back. The whole flock leaves again and start heading back to where they roosted. So at this point, I got up, move again, go back around. I beat them back to the other side, and you don't hear this on the audio. So I call, he gobbles, I can tell they're coming, and this time instead of just sitting down and calling from that position, I don't call again, and that's where the audio picks up. I start crawling towards the turkeys. There's a divot in the ridge where the water's been running down that I could get in, and I just like snake through there for probably 40 yards to close the distance. And then I set up with my gun and get ready because I think, you know, they pulled this trick on me twice. I've had turkeys approach to 80 yards twice. This time, if they do that from where I just called, it's on. So that's where we pick up here. They're coming out of the cow pasture back into the hardwoods. I had just called, which I did not get the audio of. And when it picks up, you hear me crawling through the leaves. And that's where a little bit of extra action might happen.
All right, so as you heard, a shot was fired. I don't know if you noticed, but pretty loud rustling happened after the shot. That was me in the all-out sprint to the turkey <laughs> because he was right on top of a little knoll when I shot him, and so he fell backwards over it, which I couldn't tell, you know, I felt good about the shot, but until I actually see him flopping, I, I'm kind of skeptical, you know? Yeah. So I, you hear me, because I'm hustling up there, and I get to the top, and there he is. So I picked him up. I like all the audio. You can hear the, the wings flopping and everything. I mean, I just think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. The shot with the flop, that's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. And the shot, I don't know if you noticed, is really muffled. So I didn't reduce that, you know, for the podcast. It, the, the phone was in my back pocket because I was crawling through those leaves. So it sounds really muffled. But, it, you know, I shot him. You can hear, if you listen closely, about 30 seconds before the shot, you hear a right when you hear me move my gun. And that was the front gobbler had already walked past and... When I moved my gun to shoot the back one, because I, I couldn't, the front one never stopped looking around. You know, he wasn't strutting as much. They both strutted a bunch, but the front one, he was more alert, I guess, while the back one was very concerned with one of the hens. Yeah. So I was like, you know, the, I let the first one walk past my gun barrel, and then the second one spun to strut around that last hen, and when he did, I moved my gun to get it out in front of where he was supposed to go, and the front bird saw me and started putting, which actually wasn't a bad thing because it caused the back one to come out of strut and crane his head up and start walking slowly with his head straight up. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Much easier shot now. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's the good thing about some birds. And, you know, this year I hunted quite a few on private ground that acted very much like public land turkeys in that if they even suspect that they see something, they're gone. There is no oh, yeah. sticking that head up and going, all right, what 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 is he putting about? Yeah. You know, well, it's put and they're all gone. Exactly. But the majority of birds we all know do that. If a hen yeah. sees something and putts, you know, they'll they'll all kind of stick their head up just to confirm that there's some danger around. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that definitely helps us out. Yeah. The, the front gobbler, when he saw me, and he, he just saw a little bit of movement. I mean, it wasn't anything, but he absolutely picked me out. Yeah. And when he putted, he was leaving at a pretty rapid pace. And the second gobbler, you know, was kind of speeding up but he was kind of like whoa what's going on we're all having a good time here all right i better get out of here too and you know luckily he was walking towards where all the other turkeys were heading out so that put him right across the old gun barrel and that was the end of him yeah so it, it was roughly how far 30 yards oh about 30 yards okay you know it's crazy that was one of the things when they first came up on that knoll i sat there i thought oh they're just too far they're just too far. You know, I thought they were 65, 70 because they were above me. And I don't know what it is when turkeys are above me, they look way further than they are. I, I don't know why. And they, they were up on top above me, so there wasn't a background. Like, you know. Yeah, you didn't have anything to put their size in perspective. Exactly. So I'm sitting there like kind of freaking out like, oh, they're not going to get any closer. Like they're right on the cusp. You know, I'm not going to shoot. I'm not going to shoot. But then like when the first gobbler walked past my gun barrel and I really got a good look at him, I was like, I think they're way closer than I think they are. <laughs> and I stepped it off and he was like 29 steps. It's like, holy crap, I almost let him walk off. <laughs> and he was 30 yards. Uh, you'd have been kicking yourself on the rear end if you'd done that. Yeah, I know. That's why I actually, after I killed him, I was like, I need to go step that off just for future reference. And it was 30 yards almost to the dot. And I think it's just something about when they're above me and like, it's just skyline behind them. I can't judge them nearly as well. Well, you know, I mean, I think that makes sense because really it's no different than hunting a field turkey. Exactly. And, That's what know, it felt like. Yeah, we all know how hard it is to judge distance on a field bird. So Yeah, I've missed a few field birds that I was like, oh man, he's right in my lap. Boom. Yeah. Step it off. He was seventy five. Yeah. I think <sighs> one of one of my 
<laughs> one of my favorite flubs on judging distance is when we were in Maryland. This has been, gosh, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago. And we, Chip and I were hunting together and we spotted this bird down at the end of a straightaway and he had been gobbling and he stopped gobbling. And so we're just kind of easing down this road thinking, okay, you know, when he gobbles again, we'll be a lot closer and we can just set up and, you know, get him, call him and get him down this road. (laughs) And so we, Chip has I know, and I've said this before, what he lacks in hearing, he makes up for in eyesight. So he looks down the, through the woods and he says, there's the turkey right there standing in the, standing in the road. And so I said, well, I've got my fan. We'll just fan him in. And so there were a couple of big trees in front of us, kind of between us and the turkey. And I think that's why the turkey didn't see us. And so we got down and I started crawling towards the turkey had the fan in front of me and we're on private ground on a farm that no one else is supposed to be on hunting and I crawl I don't know maybe 20 yards and the turkey has not moved not even turned his head a fraction of an inch (laughs) he is standing as still as a statue so I'm crawling towards him crawling towards him crawling towards him and got the fan in front of me and I'm thinking, all right, I'm in, I've got to be 40 yards from this turkey. But the turkey still has not moved. And what if it's a decoy? Yeah. Um, you know, first of all, I'm crawling towards it with a fan. It's not <laughs> moved. Now I'm thinking, okay, there's another hunter in the area. This is not real safe. So I put the fan down. And when I do, the turkey took a step. Well, when he took a step, here comes the gun. Safety off. Boom! And I shoot. And the turkey's like, it's a pretty day. Why is it thundering? And then all of a sudden, he's like, all right, I'm out of here. So he turns and he he runs off. And I turn around and I looked at Chip and I shrugged my shoulders. I'm like, what in the world? And so I get up and I start walking to where the turkey was. It was like 101 steps. (laughs) Man, I can't believe you didn't get him at that range. <laughs> Good gosh. <laughs> and so oh I realized at that point in time that if I'm going to continue to fan turkeys, I need to have a range finder because having that fan in front of you also distorts your perception, your yeah. depth perception. And so I was like, God. And so Chip finally walks up. He finally catches up to me. And he's like, why? <laughs> why did you shoot at him when you shot at him? I said, because I thought he was like 40 yards away. <laughs> I bet so, from his perspective, he's like, Oh man, he's getting kind of close. This might work. Holy crap, he's about to shoot. What is he doing? <laughs> no, no, no. So anyway, that that's off topic, but I guess still related as far as the difficulties that we sometimes have judging distance. But they're you know, tough, man. It, it yeah, yeah. And I'll say this something you have to look forward to, and not in a good way. As you get to that 40-year mark closer to that 50-year mark and you start to have a little bit more of a issue seeing up close it Mm. becomes a lot more difficult to get focused when you've got something right in front of your face and then something behind it that you're trying to really look at and that also will mess with your depth perception so when you get to be an old man like me cameron and you're fanning a turkey be sure you have a rangefinder with you yeah all right sounds good to me (laughs) so man that's awesome i I mean that's a pretty exciting hunt right there and you know to to make such a large move on those birds and i know ultimately as the crow flies you'd not move terribly far in distance You, you made a huge circle around but you know i know so many times when we make those big wide moves those big end arounds those hunts don't always work out in our favor but yeah i mean a lot of times you never hear from them again at that point yeah so but it helped you, know, you that they, you knew that they were in that in the cow pasture and yeah i mean i knew they were out there somewhere in that because they i mean you just tell when they flew down and after they kind of lost interest in me i mean i figured those hens they're going out to eat they're going to go out in that cow pasture 
that's where they went the last time I'd seen them, directly where they were walking. So I had a pretty good idea they were out there. And luckily, the gobblers were being pretty, and the hens were being really responsive to calling. So it was easy to keep tabs on them. Yeah. So I made one big U around them and then made a second big U back to where we originally began the whole ordeal. And I mean, the key, I think, to success on this one was the third time I kind of realized the woods are so open without decoys. They're not going to, as big as this flock is, even if the hens come within 40 yards, the gobblers probably won't. And when they don't see another hen, they're just going to lose interest and leave a third time because that's what had happened the first two times. Mm-hmm. So what I called and they gobbled that time, I crawled 30 to 40 yards in a little trench to them and then just laid there and waited. And so I think that was the key to success right there. So it was more of woodmanship. You know, the calling helps because they're responsive to it and everything. But, you know, getting a little bit closer and cutting the distance before they came into eyesight was kind of the key on this one. And I got to tell you, I don't know, you can kind of hear it at one point. You can hear my heartbeat in that audio that last portion because all of a sudden i just hear drumming and then i see that fan coming up on top of the ridge with me (laughs) yeah and then another fan joins him it just i can't get enough of it man that feeling is just like nothing else yeah no doubt so this really is the third week the third hunt in a row where position and setup was the key to success and so you know, again, as good of a caller as Cameron is, that doesn't hurt. But I'm 100% convinced in 25 years of turkey hunting experience that your setup kills more turkeys than your calling does. Absolutely. Your I mean, calling's not going to hurt you. Calling's not going to hurt. Knowing when to call is not going to hurt. But there comes a point, you sound like a hen, you sound like a hen. Exactly. And no matter how good or bad you sound, if you're not set up correctly, you're not going to kill many turkeys. Yeah. Because if you sound like a hen, they're going to do their thing. And if you're not ready to kill him when he does what he what you need to know what he's about to do, it's kind of the chess move that you need to know is about to happen. With like a ridge turkey, he's probably going to peek over the top and look. If you, I mean, it, it also depends on decoys versus no decoys, whereas I don't use them. So I got to know like, I need to kill him when he can see my position because typically they don't stick around for an hour wondering, huh, I wonder where she is. Mm-hmm. It's usually, huh, I don't see her. And that they're so good at picking out where you are. He's sitting there looking like that tree right there is where she was. And now there's a big lump at the bottom. I had never seen that before. I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they're, they're so unbelievable at picking up your position. So I, I just, I, to echo you, the, the setup is, that's the key. Yeah. And, you know, my season this year really is the perfect example of that because I called in a bunch of birds, but for various different reasons, and we'll get into some of those when, when I play some of those hunts for you guys, there were no shots fired on the majority of those birds because I was not set up properly. And Mm. I will tell you very quickly, and I've said this on the show a lot of times over the years, I'm not the best caller, but I am a good woodsman. And that's what kills turkeys for me. And this year, it just really was mind-blowing that it's like the last decision I made before the hunt got blown up was the wrong decision. And the majority of those decisions were set up based. Let me move to this tree. Let me turn around on the tree that I'm on. Making those last moves were my screw up. And in all of the years past, those decisions have never been my screw ups. They've been the yeah. decisions that killed turkeys for me. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, that that's what really was I I guess most frustrating about my season this year. And, you know, I I look back at it and minus one or two things, which really was me being more aggressive than I normally would be in a setup, minus those one or two hunts, I don't know that I really would have done anything any different because I don't think I did anything different on those hunts regarding Mm -hmm. setup than I did on the hunts that were successful. Yeah. So anyway... But I think we're, yeah. you know, we're we're on a topic the majority of listeners are going to agree with, and that yeah. is that setup is huge, huge, yes. huge. Another quick, easy thing that was interesting on this hunt to me is I ended up in three different 
positions to shoot in my three different setups. So setup one, I was in your classic back against the tree, knees in front, gun on the knee setup. And then when I had to move to positioning two, it was a really terrain filled area. And I was actually standing under a tree with my gun up standing with it rested on the side of the tree because i knew i needed to see over the top Mm -hmm. and position three i was laying on my belly prone with my gun in front of me because i was having to crawl through that little divot to get in tight and you know it just you kind of have to know how to sit where to sit or stand or kneel you know it's all about what you can see and where your kill zone is yeah it you just have to kind of take your best guess at it. So uh, setup two is definitely honestly standing and holding your gun up is most uncomfortable to me. You feel exposed and gun gets pretty heavy after a while. It does, but it's also a position that kills a lot of turkeys. Yeah, I mean you have to use it sometimes. But anyway, it was a great hunt. Beautiful bird. He he had some really good spurs on him, like an inch and a quarter maybe, probably a little less, maybe inch and an eighth. And then he had a really nice thick beard, beautiful fan. He had one of the prettier fans I got this year. And just, I think he weighed 22 pounds. So he was a big boy. Been eating mm-hmm. plenty of cow cow patties out, of, out there in the pasture, picking corn. Yeah. So he was a good bird. And the other one, I went back and visited him twice, not to kill him. I didn't even take a gun either time. And he was still there with all the hens, so I know they're still getting bred. And I didn't go mess with him for the remainder of the season. So hopefully he survived. Who knows? I know he survived at least another two to three weeks, so that helps that flock, I would assume. And should be there next year, and hopefully his offspring and the jakes that I saw that were in there will be there next year. So I'll slip in there for a hunt next year. There you go. (laughs) That's what it's all about. We can't forget next year. That's right. I always... One bird in one place. That's just the rule I've always followed, and it's worked out well for me because I like to go back to the same spots every year. Yeah, yeah. Very cool, man. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations on that bird, and thank you for sharing that hunt with us. That was fun. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, so do you have a calling tip for the week? I'll tell you what this week's calling tip is. I don't know, for you hunters in the Northeast who are listening, there is some kind of loon or bird up there it is a waterbound bird and I, I have a recording of the audio of it and I'm gonna figure out what it is. If you could mimic that sound, you have got one of the greatest shock gobble tools on planet Earth because every time one of those loon things made a sound when I was up in the northeast this past couple weeks, a bird gobbled. Midday, early morning, late afternoon, whenever they cooed i guess is the best word to use a bird gobbled so if you're a northeast hunter my calling tip is figure out how to make that loon sound do you think it is a red crested yellow bellied web footed lake loon it could be and barney fife might be out there with him but (laughs) i don't know what it was man i have it on audio somewhere i haven't listened to it i got to extract it but i'm going to be manufacturing a loon call next year because i'm telling you it would do whatever its sound was, and every time a turkey would shot gobble at it. Like, the most consistent. It's like thunder, but in a loon. Hmm. So, my calling tip is figure it out. So, I guess you could also take that to to be in certain regions. Figure out what makes turkeys shot gobble. If you're in Hawaii, probably not owls. I don't think they have any owls. So, figure out what makes them shot gobble. It might be a volcano erupting in Hawaii. Who knows? <laughs> You got to mimic that sound. But in the Northeast, if I was to go back up there, I would learn how to make that sound because it worked. Very good. Very good. Let's see if this is what you heard. No. <laughs> no. Okay. It was more of like a, but it wasn't an owl. I don't know. I'll find it. Was that the red bested yellow leg web footed lake loon? Or. <laughs> Uh, no, that was, it just says loon calls on YouTube. It may not even be uh, a loon. I'm Peter just, J.H. I don't know. I, it may not even be a loon. I'll figure it out. I just assumed it was a loon. Well, I don't know. And for everyone listening who doesn't know about the red-crested, yellow-bellied, web-footed lake loon, here is that call. Wait a minute. You know what kind of bird that was? A lake loon. Probably a web-footed, red-crested lake loon. 
Now, where would a web-footed, red-crested lake loon be heading? Toward the lake! Toward the lake, don't you understand? You see, instead of just sitting there, you got to use all your senses. That's nature's pointer. We just follow that sound, and it's a shortcut home. Gosh, Barney. Come on, let's get started. The sound came from right over... You're right again, from that lake. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that's turkey hunting right there. Yeah, if you had that out there, you'd, you'd find them for sure. What direction did the sound come from? The lake. That area over there. So that's using woodsmanship, Barney Five style. And yes, I guess I threw in the yellow-bellied part of that, but I like my <laughs> my name for that lake loon better than Barney's. Yeah, me too. But yeah. anyway, there's yeah. your calling tip of the week. I guess in a broad spectrum, figure out what turkeys gobble at in your region, yeah. not just crows and owls. Very cool. Awesome. So let's do this again next week. This was fun. Let's do it again. Maybe we'll have uh, Scott McDonald on. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. He might tell us about a turkey he put the whack in on next week. That sounds like a, a good idea. Let's do that. So that's all we've got for you guys for this week. However, I do have a favor to ask of you this week, and that is to please share this week's episode using the share feature in your podcast player application and if you would share that with a couple of hunting buddies via text message that would be a huge help for Cameron and me and it really helps to get the word out about the show it takes you probably 10 seconds to do very easy and we would be appreciative of that and also I have to say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week we know that you have choices we appreciate you spending your time with us we hope you have a wonderful and safe week and we look forward to seeing you guys again next week goodbye goodbye thanks for tuning in you were just listening to the turkey hunter podcast if you enjoyed the show please go on over to itunes and leave a five-star review and make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips tactics strategies and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.